So our, our gospel lesson places us in the middle of an argument between Jesus and Peter about the nature of the Messiah or, or Christ, and thus it is also an argument about the nature of power. To understand just what is happening in this lesson, we actually need to, to hear just a little bit about what came before this argument begins. Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and he asks them the question, who do you say that I am? In response, Peter proclaims, you are the Messiah, which means Christ, or anointed one. But what Peter means by Messiah and what Jesus means by Messiah are radically different and even diametrically opposed. To Peter, the Messiah will be the one chosen by God to be a a warrior king who will liberate the Jewish people from their subjugation and oppression by the Roman Empire. Peter envisions a king who will restore the Jewish people to their promised land and restore the fortunes of Israel. This hope that Jesus will rise to a position of political power as God's chosen vessel reflects Peter's vision of power as dominance. Jesus shares a different view with his disciples. Jesus matter-of-factly tells his disciples that as the Messiah, he must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the religious establishment, be executed, only to be raised on the third day. None of this fits Peter's vision of what the Messiah should be up to. Instead of the triumph that Peter puts forward, Jesus puts forth suffering. Instead of an embrace by the official representatives of God, Jesus puts forth rejection. Instead of a coronation, Jesus puts forth death. This does not look like power to Peter, but instead it looks like defeat and failure. It looks like weakness which is what I imagine Peter tries to tell Jesus when he pulls Jesus aside to rebuke Jesus. Peter is trying to put forth his vision of power as control and dominance, which frankly is the vision that that we are most comfortable with as well. We understand Peter's view of power. It is common sense to us. It is the view that might makes right. It is the view that true power is the ability to control outcomes. And to Peter, Jesus seems out of control. Jesus seems to be putting forward a vision of a victim and not the Messiah. But Jesus cannot entertain Peter's misunderstanding, not even for a moment and not even a little bit. It is jarring to our ears to hear Jesus say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
but there can be no middle ground between Peter's view and Jesus's view. When Jesus tells Peter to get behind him, he's telling him to follow, to adopt the position appropriate for the disciple. Jesus is telling Peter to leave behind his vision of power, of the power of the Messiah, and to instead come and share God's vision. Jesus invites Peter to see that true power is not expressed in the ability to control, but rather in solidarity, in service, in compassion, and ultimately in love. The power that Jesus has as the Messiah, as the Christ, will never manifest itself as coercion or dominance, but rather as self-giving. It never manifests itself as the ability to kill, but rather as the ability to die. And yet, as the resurrection reveals, this this capacity to die is also always the ability to give and share life. But there's more. There's more. It's not, it's not enough to merely know this about Jesus. It's not enough for us to, to have this vision of power that Jesus embodies, expressed, uh, that he expresses as himself, as the Christ, to think about that just for him. It is not only meant for him. Indeed, this vision does not die when Jesus dies. For you see, Jesus calls followers. Jesus calls people who will live into and embrace God's vision of life-giving power. When Jesus calls over the crowds with his disciples, Jesus is calling over anyone who would look to follow him. And thus, Jesus is, is calling us over too when he speaks to his disciples. Jesus is not only telling his disciples and us that we cannot understand who the Messiah is without the light and power of the cross and the resurrection. Jesus is not ending there. More than that, Jesus tells his disciples that we cannot understand discipleship without the cross and the resurrection. Jesus reveals that the the figure of the Messiah and the figure of the disciple are intertwined and interwoven, and neither can be understood apart from the reality of the crucifixion and the new life that God gives out of it. And in this sense, Jesus is not merely a person, but also a road and a path. Or as Jesus says of himself in the Gospel of John, I am the way. The person who believes Jesus and believes in Jesus will follow on the same road Jesus took. There is simply no knowledge of Christ without 
the doing or practice of Christ. For indeed, Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake or for the sake of the gospel will save it. Our knowledge of Christ will always be incomplete without following him. Our love of Christ will always be incomplete without following him. We only really know and love Christ as we go about the business of living, of living in the way that he lived and lives. To be a follower of Jesus will mean patterning our lives after his life. And so, yes, Jesus healed. Therefore, we are to heal. Jesus fed the hungry. And so, too, we are to feed the hungry. Jesus forgave sinners. And so, we are to forgive and to be agents of reconciliation. Jesus ate with outcasts and welcomed all sorts and conditions into fellowship and peace with him. And so, too, we are called to be and to strive to be an inclusive community of welcome, of welcome to all. But Jesus also lived in opposition against the the hostile and fallen powers of this world. Jesus made no peace with injustice or oppression. And so to follow Jesus is to say no to the the power of death as it manifests itself in, in concrete structures and systems and organizations in our society. To follow Jesus is to say no to all of the forces and arrangements in our world that dehumanize and degrade human beings and the whole of creation. When Jesus told his first disciples that they would need to take up their cross to follow him, they heard that as a literal word. It was indeed a literal cross to them. They did not spiritualize the cross, but rather heard that following Jesus would necessarily mean being at odds with those forces that have the ability to kill and destroy. Jesus does not invite his followers into a path that is tame or wishy-washy, but rather one that thrusts them into the fire with those who suffer and with those who are oppressed. This is what it will truly mean to assert the power of life, the power that Jesus embodies, over the power of death. But the promise in all of this is the promise of resurrection. For as we follow Jesus, truly follow Jesus, then we are already 
participating in his death, and therefore already participating in the resurrection. As we follow, we come, already come, to live in the light of his new life that is made available to us. And so the invitation is to follow Jesus, to discern in our time and in our place how we might risk taking up our own crosses. The invitation is to discover that as we give of ourselves that the new life of God that God gives will manifest itself in us. The invitation is to discover the true power of God that manifests itself through the power of love. Amen.